Welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast after an Easter weekend. Of course, there has been two games, both of which we'll get into what happened, the points we've picked up, and of course, more notable absentees from the games. Well, from the recent game, Lugo 9 obviously missing that one, and luckily not an injury. But we'll get through what happened during the games, what them have done to the league table and in the last five games of the season. But First and foremost, before we actually look into the games, Michael, it's four points from six, which at the start, before the whole game, would have probably been a good return because the season was dead. We were just playing for the points that we can get. If we don't pick up the points, so be it. If we do, fantastic. Finish as high up the table as we can. But all of a sudden, four points from six is possibly heartbreaking because we'll get onto the whole game. If you get six out of six, we are one win off the playoffs again. For that exact reason that you've just described, um, as good as good as it was to beat Cardiff, it does make the whole game more irritating to me because it makes you think if we'd not con- stupidly let in that daft, that daft penalty, which, by the way, to be fair to Keith Stroud, who I didn't actually think was that bad against Hull, and I can't believe I'm saying those words, but, you know, it was a penalty. I don't think anyone can complain with the decision. I think anyone, I think the complaint was, and I'm someone who defends Equa quite a bit, as it looks, but, yeah, that was a rash decision for him to give away a stupid penalty. But So you're right. I mean, I thought that Hull might be a draw and we may end up beating Cardiff, but I always felt like... No one ever saw 4-4 against Hull when I think apparently they don't concede many and don't score many. Well, that game must have been in, in juxtaposition with what their form usually is. I mean, I mean, before the game, I said we'd win 4-0, so I got half of it right. I mean, yeah, so I mean, if we had the defence, then you would have been correct. Um, but, you know what, it's, it's one of those, like, if, if four points on its own isn't too bad. Um, and to be fair, I mean, Hull are quite a solid organised team and I, I felt they were going to be hard to break down as it turns out they were anything but and we were just annoyingly as easy to break down for them but yeah I just felt I, I, I don't get me wrong when, when we beat Card it was like get in that's a good win but then I thought oh no if we'd yeah. just beaten Hull then what? how many points would be off the playoffs now is it two? Two. We would have been two points off and to be fair even on the Easter Monday I was watching the Huddersfield-Blackburn game and Albeit Blackburn definitely deserves something out of the game because they Could pinned Huddersfield in for more. Well, I was going to say they pinned Huddersfield in for most of it, and then they scored an injury time equaliser, didn't they? So that was yeah. more annoying. But yeah, it is what it is. I mean, look, mathematically, of course, we're still well within the mix, I suppose, if you want to say it. But yeah, the, the whole game in, in, in just but because of the Cardiff wins, more annoying in some senses. Yeah, we'll start with that whole game, John, before we move on to the Cardiff game, and then of course what that means for the last five games. To, I'd say we'll go through the goals. That'll probably take forever. We'll go through some of them. But to concede four at home is against any team in the league, really, is not something you want to see. To concede four against a team in 17th is not what you want to see. To then concede four against a team in 17th without their top goal scorer is even worse. Yeah, I think it's, you know, scoring four at home is is fine. Um, but yeah, conceding four was just just unacceptable. It left a little bit of a taste of the the Coventry game when we played them after the the Papa John's game, mm. where we just you know five four that just, game wasn't it? it was, yeah, yeah, we just weren't we just weren't very good at. Obviously, it was one of the games I was actually up 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 to and and watch live, but there was just no 
no game management. I think we we really did struggle with that and the defending. You know, we could we could pick apart you know each goal, but even even without the goals, I think defensively we were we were terrible. Uh, we played really for some reason we played a high line um, and let them play it over the top of us just continuously. And we didn't seem to, you know, things happen and you know you, you need to react to them and then you. Nine times out of ten, you shut them down, but we didn't seem to do that. And obviously, there's there's a few mistakes in there, and maybe because they were so attacking, we were able to, you know, it, it was it was good for us in a way because we could attack them. But yeah, it's one of those absolute, you know, weird ones. I on on some of the goals, I think when Pat, I think it's Patterson saves, and yeah. then the guy the guy taps in. You know, sometimes they miss them. Sometimes someone's marking him. It's it's just one of them. It's just. It was a bit of an anomaly, and then, like you say, like Michael was saying, the frustration then is now we're sitting, you know, pretty or pretty-ish, and it, you know it could have been so much better if, you know, if we hadn't conceded obviously the stupid penalty, but the other the other stupid goals as as well. And you're looking in a in a very very healthy position, but you know it's it's one of them, and again it's it's a learning curve, and I think it does, you know, we we don't want to keep banging on, but it does highlight. You know, we had no outball for a striker. We had no one like Corey Evans put his foot on the ball and and slow play down. I think even when we were winning, um, I think I saw one of us take a free kick really quickly, and that that pissed me off. Just you know, just boot the ball out and play stupid. And you know, when oh nine pretending to be injured at the end to to stall the penalty. You know, we needed yeah. a lot more of that, and we we didn't get it. I think game management is what ultimately ultimately cost us. Obviously, with those mistakes. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that comes with having such a young team. But the goals in the game, Michael, it was eight goals and, you know, quite a few of them, you know, especially Hull's, you know, the first one is, you know, you look at the defending, could you do better maybe, is a very good finish. Um, the, was it the second one or maybe the third one that John was alluding to where Patterson's made a save, it's come out to someone on the edge of the box on the volley, and you know, nine times out of ten, that doesn't go in. Yeah, that's the second so, one you're on about. Yeah. The second, yeah, nine times out of ten, he misses that, or it hits the bar, comes out, pass and collect it. It goes over, it goes wide, whatever. On this occasion, it went in, and it was one of them games. And ultimately, that's that's why it finished four four. Well, exactly. I mean, it wasn't exactly. I mean, if you're going to teach any young defenders a masterclass in defending, this is the last game you want to show them because there was the defending for the most part was non-existent. I mean. To be fair to Sunderland, I suppose the second goal, like John just uh, went into it better than I will. Um, the second goal well, had an element of fortune about it because obviously Patterson makes the save and the lad who scores basically sometimes scores, sometimes misses. So, you know, fair enough. You can let off the second one to a degree. But I mean, if you look at the, thir- the first one, good finish, but questionable defending why he's allowed to run into the box and basically have a free shot. Yeah. Uh, and the third one was probably even worse. And, and although I think, I think, the, th- I, think I think the third one is probably the worst one. We'll get onto the penalty that we conceded, but oh yeah, the third one is. It's naive from Hume, isn't it? It is, and it's just at times you can probably accuse our players of being too calm in certain situations, and I think that is exactly that because you know I know what you're trying to do, and we've seen him do it so many times this season. He's trying to just usher the player out of play, the ball's going to go out for a goal kick, nothing happens, but you have to make sure that, you know, if the, if you are going to see the ball out of play, that it gets there. If, you, if you're not 100% sure that it's going to go out, clear it. And we avoid that goal completely. Exactly, we do. And it's, it's, just, it's, just, the, it's just the basic mistake. I mean, he gets out muscled and 
the lad who takes it off him basically I think um, the lad who takes it off him just basically is able to just run through and, and to be fair to him actually the finish is quite good because it's quite accurate into the top right corner but yeah and there was debate about whether the whole ball across the line and for me it hadn't so to, again to be fair you know it wasn't down to the officiating that was just down to poor defending from Hume so I mean again it's just basic mistakes like that and to be fair to Hume if we're going to be balanced on the whole he's actually been really really good it's just one of those things. Um, but at the same time, you, you can't be making silly mistakes like that because more times, because this league, in League One, you could maybe get away with it a bit. But in the Championship and certainly in the Premier League, those type of mistakes are going to get punished. Yeah. Um, on the Sunderland goals from that game, though, John, um, obviously Jack Clark, I think he got two assists and a goal, I think it was. Could be the way around, but I'm pretty sure it was that way. Um, one of them will probably be the worst assist you'll ever get, but it goes down as an assist. You know, he's he took us the fourth goal, which I think many of us thought would be the winning goal very well. You know, the play between him, Bobbert, Diallo, he's often left out and has been left out in that kind of partnership for a long, large part of the season. I thought they linked up probably better than they have done all season in that game. Yeah, they were. Um you know, it's, it's probably a bit of detriment to, to Jack Clark sometimes, you know, because he is left out on his own. Um, you know, whilst the other two can can do their thing over the other side. So it's it's finally nice to see them, you know, on the attack. And, you know, we know they'll be devastating, the three of them. You know, it's it's just a shame. Obviously, we might, obviously, we, we probably will do, you know, lose Diallo. Um, you know, and possibly one of the others if, you know, if we do have a, we'll call it a bad window. Um, you know, but people are going to be looking at them for, for how good they are but yeah you put three good well very good we know how good they are all three of them you put those three together and it is quality and Jack Clark probably rightly so obviously man of the match um, I think he was given man of the match anyway on on some things um, but yeah it was all three of them fantastic and my only frustration would be that he missed the one that he went through one on one with which absolutely yeah, kills absolutely. the game but yeah um you know, and probably the other bugbear, even though we did score, is you know his absolute miss hit. But we'll put it down as a lovely assist for for Geldhart to get a bit of, you know, a bit of confidence with a home goal. Yeah. Well, obviously we got a penalty in the game, which, given the referee was Keith Stroud, that his name. This is yes, man. that's right, Keith Stroud. Yeah. yeah. I had to think about that for a second. Didn't think we'd probably get one, and realistically, should we have got one? I don't know. I would err on the side of no. I think it was soft. But the penalty that we did concede, Michael, 95th minute, I think it's about 15 seconds after the five minutes were added on, which a lot of people were angry about, but at the end of the day, it's minimum five minutes. And you can, I, I don't know if there was any stoppages in that five minutes, but it happened. Equa goes into a challenge on the edge of the box. And you know, that is, again, one of the things that will come with Sunderland having such an inexperienced team. Because in that situation, you know, I think there was, you know, three or four players around him. And the whole player, that is, he wasn't really going to get a shot off. You know, in terms of getting a ball into the box, there was a few people to kind of crowd that out. To dive into a challenge there in the 95th minute is just stupid, really. Stupid, rash, naive, um, everything that you want to associate with any negative connotations but yeah uh, and to be fair and like I said earlier in the podcast to Keith Stroud's defence I think there were a few people angry that he gave a penalty because of the stoppages but as you said it's five minutes minimum and 
I'm pretty sure there was a couple of occasions where there was throw-ins, which I think should get usually added on to the added on time. So to me, Keith Stroud didn't do anything wrong. I think it was, it might have even been within the five minutes or just around the five minute mark, he gave the penalty and the penalty didn't challenge itself. I don't think anyone should have any complaints with If that was the other way around, we'd be saying stonewall penalty. So there's no real complaints with that. It's just silly from Equit to do. But again, it's one of those things that, that comes with a young team that the more, I think eventually these players will learn when to do that and when to not just rush in like that. But there's no doubt that that decision coupled with a few other things, cost us the extra two points. Yeah. And I don't know if I saw this right, and I probably should have looked into it before I say it, but is that the second time at home this season, John, that we've conceded? I don't know if it's just the second time we've conceded in like the 95th minute to drop points, or whether it's a second penalty that we've conceded. But it's one of the two. And It's the second penalty, just to interrupt you, because Bristol City had a penalty in stoppage time, I think. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, wasn't it? That was the 1-1. One, one. Is that Trey Hume? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, that, like I said, that's, you know, essentially four points dropped in the last few seconds of a game at home. And, you know, the home form debate continues after that game because I think it's six times we've won at home this season. Um, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you who they were. I know Wigan was one of them, granted. But we have, I think, two home games left before now in the end of the season. I think that's Huddersfield and Birmingham. We've got Watford as well. well. End of the month. It's Watford at home as well. Three yeah. home games. So the majority of our games remain at are at home. And, you know, we are still four points away from the playoffs. Uh, I think West Brom would just be lowest. They have a game in hand on us. And obviously Blackburn are sixth who have a game in hand, albeit that game is against Burnley. So I can't see them getting too much out of that. The home form this season, alongside the injuries and manager change and inexperience, but just purely focusing on the home form, could end up costing us this season. And like people say, you don't pick and choose when you get promoted. You know, if the, if the chance is there for taking, you go and take it. But our home form just hasn't been good enough. No, it's, it's, it's not good enough. You know, that, that place, to be fair, should be an absolute fortress. Um, I've, I think it's it's a couple of things. I think we... I think we're very much a counter-attacking team, you know, to, you know, I think the stats have gone when we've gone away from home and we've had something like, you know, 29% possession, but we've done things with that and we've won games. You know, it doesn't matter how, how long you have the ball for. Can you do what you need to in that, in that percentage? Um, I think when the onus is on us to play the game, then I think we do, we do struggle. I think we do struggle to, to control games and be, if you, if you know what I mean, be our, be a full attacking team for that whole 90 minutes. Um, you know, the the other thing I would I would maybe say is because of how young the squad is, is there a is there a pressure there? You know, like to, obviously there is a pressure to play at the stadium light, but have they not got over it, but have they embraced it enough to think, you know, these 40,000 people are behind us and you know, yeah, have have they got to that that level yet, you know, we've, we're missing Corey Evans, we're missing Ross Stewart, you know, those types of, you know, who have, who have done it, you know, and have played in, in teams here when we've, uh, when the place has been a fortress. Um, but we need that, you know, we need that consistency, I think. Um, away from home, it's easy to go, you know, Mowbray talks most, most, most weeks when we're away from home about, well, we did this, we had this plan and there never seems to be a real strategy for home games 
you know, for how how well are we going to control it? Because I think yesterday Mowbray said we, you know, we we changed the team up to to make sure we have more possession, you know, and we don't normally set the team up like that to have more possession. We we're very much and you know an, an out of possession team, especially away from home. So it's almost like we seem to struggle with possession, and maybe that's a, you know, when teams do come to the stadium like and have a bit of a go, that's when we're a little bit well. That that's a good thing, but if teams come and and sit with us, then the onus on us is then to to play the game, and I think that's just what we we struggle on. But I think a few a few tweaks here and there, and a few you know a, a very very good summer, then I don't see any reason why it can't be you know addressed quite easy. It's not one of those things I'm I'm overly worried about. Although I think everyone needs to acknowledge it it does need to improve and you know if, because our away form is fantastic you add add in home form and we're probably talking about you know the top two if if your home form's you know as good as your away form yeah and obviously that game then led into the game away to Cardiff yesterday Michael which obviously I don't know you didn't see too much of it but I'm sure you're aware of just how Sunderland I heavy the, the game was coming on to try and get a feel of it. So, um, but yeah. yeah, sorry, go on. And obviously, you know, we talk about the possession. Sunderland, I think, I'm not sure what they ended on. So I'm going to actually quickly check. But I know, I think at some point in the first half, Sunderland ended the, that half with 74%, ended the game with 68%. So, you know, Sunderland dominated the ball then. But what I think you notice more, and I think this kind of goes along with what John says, is when Sunderland do have the ball, we don't do too much with it in the final third. And, you know, there was a few chances here and there. You know, I think Dan Neal, John will probably kill me for saying this, had about 12 chances on the edge of the box or whatever it was. I think he had maybe four. I think Echo had a couple as well. And we, we just did nothing with any of them. Well, if you're talking about Daniel and Pierre Equa, let's just say the group chat we were in, I heard there was quite a bit of frustration at the fact we kept trying to score a Hollywood goal outside the box. At least that's what it sounded like. Um, I did get to see the opening stages of the game. And I think that, and even in there alone, in the first 15, 20 minutes, there was an element of we had a lot of the ball, but we weren't able to do as much with it. And by all intents and purposes, from the highlights I've seen and from the bits I have seen, Cardiff looked really terrible. They didn't look very good at all. It looked like they were just just seemed to be sitting off Sunderland. I don't know whether that's Sunderland changing the system to gain control of the game so Cardiff can't have no choice but to sit off us. But I do think that we've had this problem before. And it's maybe one of the reasons why we struggle a bit at home because next season for me, if we don't get in the playoffs this year, which is quite likely, then next year the aim should be to get into the playoffs. And the home form has to improve. And one of the things we need to learn to do is how to be more effective with possession because it's a, we've seen it before. I've seen it when Gus Poyet, for example, was here where we could play some pretty stuff with the ball in our own half, but it's not effective because it doesn't get you forward enough, does it? So for me, I think that that's something that drastically has to improve on ahead of next season. Um, but with possession, it's again, it's all well good having it, but you've got to do something with it. And it did look like for a while we were struggling to break Cardiff down. I mean, obviously, from everything it said, it sounded like we were the dominant team without being particularly great. So it's one of those where if we can learn to be a bit tighter on the ball and get better decision-making in the final third, and it is coupled with the fact that we don't have a natural centre-forward. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things we do have to look at improving. Yeah, we did get the goal, John, um, and it came from, ironically, a set-piece because of how people we are usually at set-pieces. Um, Pritchard takes a free kick, and it's actually a very well-hit one. Uh, the keeper makes what I thought at the time was a mess of it, 
but when you watch the replay, he's actually made a very good save. I think it goes straight through the wall. He's tipped it on the post. Dennis Serkins there and very nearly actually missed the chance that he did actually take. But, you know, once Sunderland got that goal, I don't think there was any doubt really as to the fact Sunderland would get the result. Because like Michael said, like I've said, I think everyone said it at the time, Cardiff were absolutely shocking bar a 10-minute period in the second half, which, we'll, again, we'll get on to. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it was it was always going to be a tight game. It was quite slow at times and just sort of seemed a bit like a, a dead rubber. Obviously, we were, we were down to the bare bones as well. Um, but, yeah, finally, uh, you know, it wasn't one for the, the football purists. But, yeah, a, a, a free kick, which is quite decent. I don't know what the wall's doing because um, you're taught, even my little ones are told not to break in a wall, but they seem to. Uh, but, yeah, it's not a bad save and... It's about who reacts first. You know, there's been plenty of times where our players don't react quick enough on other team free kicks and they score. And, you know, it's nice for for us to come up and and score and score what ultimately turned out to be the winner. Um, I think my only my only frustration after that would be you'd like to think we could just see the game out easily. But again, I thought game management was was quite poor, um, you know, for the last, I'd probably say the last 15. And we, we let them in and... We didn't, you know, we didn't really need to. We could, we had the players on the pitch, and we brought Roberts on, and you know, sort of didn't really touch the ball at all. Um, but Gerald Hart on, who didn't really, again, didn't really do anything. Um, you know, so it was, it was a little bit frustrating to me. But they're tired if it's just one of those teams you can, you can just about hold at arm's length. You know, it's just like, you know, you're holding them by the head, and they're just sort of swinging, and they're they're just nowhere near you. Um, but on a few, you know, hairy moments, but we'll we'll take it, and we'll you know we'll move on. Yeah, and like I said, Michael, it was you know, it was a Sunderland heavy performance, albeit not much in the final third. There was like a 10-15 minute spell in that second half where Cardiff just, well, pretty much after he scored, which has been a theme in quite a few games, where Cardiff kind of got the foot on the ball a little bit more, started putting balls into the box, and given the team that we had out, was going to become a bit of a worry because I think only Danny Bart is above five foot eight in that 11 that we had on the pitch at the time. And when you look at the centre-forwards that they had on the pitch, I think two of them were six foot four. You know, you've got you know two big centre-halves. They had a couple of corners here and there. But Danny Barr, who will, you know, probably talk about every game between now and the end of the season and, you know, probably will be one of the best players in terms of the awards at the end of the year, seemed to get his head onto absolutely every single cross that came into the box. And that's not an easy thing to do when you're up against a team that's basically full of six foot, mid six foot players, whether it be forwards or defenders. And that's one of the things that a lot of teams against us have tended to try and use as a tactic. Just off the top of my head, I think Stoke to a degree did it. Um, Luton to an extent did it. You know, there's there's a lot of Rotherham. There's another example that, you know, and ultimately, just very quickly, if we're looking at results that probably have cost us a playoff place. You'd say Stoke at home, Rotherham away, Hull at home those type of things. But the point is, we've struggled against physicality and we've struggled against teams that have height and a bit of strength in their team. And that's one of the things that we need to try and learn to balance, where we can balance the technical flair that we do have. And we do have some very, very good players for this level. But we do need to balance that with an ability to be able to just simply head the ball away to the extent that Danny Bart does, just just be able to deal with physicality, deal with set pieces, deal with crosses and so on. So to be fair to them, as much as Cardiff tried to throw things at us, just weren't able to do it. But if they tried to use physicality, then it's good to see we at least came out of it unscathed with a clean sheet. Yeah. 
I think, well, as, I think just just quickly with the defence, I think you've got to give small mentions to to Trey Hume and Dennis Serkin, who they yeah. do get targeted a lot with long balls. And to be fair, yeah, they, they are but yeah. their size, they are fantastic. And they, I don't think I've seen Dennis Serkin lose a header, and that's crazy because I think he's quite a short bloke. And Trey Hume is obviously on a goal kick as our outlet on headers, and he seems to win certainly against Hull one a lot um, in the air. You know, so we can. Obviously, Luco Nine's amazing in the air. Danny Bart is is fantastic in the air. But I think you do have to give small mentions to, especially Trey Hume, who played what we maybe say as an unorthodox sort of centre back. And to be fair, him and Sirkin still in the air were were fantastic. Yeah. And um, before we look ahead to the last few games of the season and what could happen with that, three of the best from the two games combined. Yes. Michael, start with you. Plot. This is going to be based on the whole game. Right, I'll tell you what then. I'm, I'm taking John's word for it here completely. So I'll go Sirkin, um, just based off Cardiff. And I think if I'm looking at the whole game, it's, it's not really going to be any of the defenders, is it? Yeah, I can go Sirkin because he wasn't involved with Hull, was he? Or he came on. Um, with Hull in mind particularly, I would say Jack Clark. Oh, second. Second's got to be... Yeah, Jack Clark and first Ahmad, just because, especially against Hull, those two just ran absolute riot around them. Um and obviously Sirkin for the Cardiff performance, also because he scored, but also he's part of a backline against a, a, a freakishly tall team and kept a clean sheet away from home. Yeah, that is a fair way of putting it. John? Uh, three of the best, I'll probably, Jack Clark's got to be in there, you know, especially for his for his whole performance. Um, Ahmad, again, has been fantastic over both games and, you know, he didn't even start the the whole game, did he? No, it's Cardiff. Um, he didn't start. Was oh, never mind. Ignore me. Go on. No, Cardiff. He started, and then that, um, he was on. I'm sure he was on the bench for the whole game. But yeah, over the over the two games, he was fantastic. Um, who else to go for? It's a it's a weird one, but I'll probably go. I, yeah, I'll probably just go Joe Geldhart just because he's got a lot of shit, and I've given him a lot of shit. And I think on against Hull. You know, he did run his socks off and he did actually manage to hold the ball up at times and score. You know, that's that's a big thing at the moment. So, you know, credit where credit's due, um, even though he did, didn't did do very much yesterday. He could have maybe taken a shot a bit quicker. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably give him give him in the third place. Yeah, well, that is fair. But like I said, that's four points from six. It leaves Sunderland four points away from the playoffs. Three home games left, two away games. You know, a couple of teams in the playoffs or in the playoff chase, at least Watford, who I'm not entirely sure how many points they want at the moment, but are still there or thereabouts. Luton obviously sitting well in the top four. Um, West Brom as well, still left a player. And I've got the table in front of me. Where are Watford? Watford? Because I feel like they've Watford dropped off. Are, Watford are currently 12th two, points on 50, behind us. two points yeah. behind us. They're on 56 points in 12th, and West Brom are one point behind us in 11th. And they have a game in hand. Yeah, although I think that game in hand, Sheffield United away, but I might be wrong. Yeah. Although after their foddering and red card the other day, that could be a West Brom win if you've watched Adam Davies play. Don't know if any of you have, but he's not the best in the world, to put it that way. But that's it. Four points with five games left is still difficult. And, you know, like it, nothing's a given at this point. That's still, you know, a two game deficit with only five left to play. And when you consider three of our games remaining are at home, John, we have to, you have to win them three. 
Yeah, you do. Um, I think it, there's always there's always that one team, you know, who seem to storm up from about tenth place, um, you know, and manage to slip in at sixth, and then normally the team that, you know, get get promoted somehow. It's, it's the team that can put that run together, and even though the whole result was a poor one, in in all honesty, um, I think if you can keep that, you know, you win on Saturday and you just build that momentum. Um, stranger things have happened. You know, there's 15 points to play for. You know, I think that would put us on. Obviously, we're not going to win all those games, but that would certainly put us in the mix of, you know, fifth and sixth place. And you've got, I think those teams as well, I've seen a graphic where I think a lot of those teams are still due to play each other. Um, So it is... Now, actually, as well. Yeah, it is is all to play for. And we, like Michael said, you can't pick and choose when you get promoted. You know, if it happens fantastic if if it doesn't happen it's one of them well you know we gave it the best shot we know what to aim for you know for next season we maybe know, maybe know know now what we need to do to to get in there and cement that place there so yeah stranger things have happened you know it's i just if i was mowbray i'd just say to players go and you know he's paid it down i'd just say well go and prove me wrong go on off you go go and you know go and show what you can do because in fairness we even though we've got we keep, we keep moaning about the injuries, but, you know, even the squad we've got, you know, is good enough to go and toe-to-toe with anybody. So everyone's fighting for it, every single team. So there's no reason why why we can't. And like I said, stranger things have happened. But, you know, if it does, it does. Amazing. If it doesn't, you know, this is one of those things. Hopefully it, it does because then we can go back to Wembley again, but we'll see. Yeah. On them games, Millwall have Preston, Blackburn. Blackburn obviously have Preston, Burnley, Luton and Millwall. Preston have Millwall, Blackburn, Sheffield United and us. Norwich have Borough and West Brom. Coventry have Blackburn and Borough. So it's physically impossible for every team around us to pick up maximum points. Um, And obviously, like I say, a few of them teams we are due to play. It is going to be an enormous task, Michael, if we are to do it. And, you know, come the end of the season, obviously we'll have a podcast out then to talk about the season as a whole, the standout players, standout results there's going to be quite a few games that you look out that you look at if we do miss out you know Vodrum at home Stoke at home obviously Hull City at home um ironically all of them at home there are going to be quite a few results that you look at and think well we should have got more out of that game there's going to be a few results that we look at and think we got fucked because of the referee Blackburn um on both occasions I think or did we win the home game we won the home game won the home game but there was a few decisions that went against us yeah so Sheffield United, there's another one that we should have had at least a point out of. So, you know, the market results. There's another one. We could probably go through every one of them at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's gonna be results that you look at and think, yeah, if we did if we got the result, if we got the look in that game, if we, you know, scored this chance or did this better, would have been there a lot earlier than we are now. But we are still in with a shot. And, you know, if we win the next game obviously if, if results at the minute are actually going for us and I think every result possible went for us um, on Monday, yesterday so you know if you win on Saturday results go for you you're potentially looking at a one point gap between yourself and the playoffs it, it is still doable It is I think, I mean obviously the, the one result that did go against I think was Preston beating Reading but Reading are in pretty tight straits at the moment so that's less of a shock I think the way the, the way I processed and looked at it is after we drew against before Hull, any hope of the playoffs for me hinged on Hull, Cardiff, and now the next two games both at home 
Birmingham and Huddersfield. Now, for me, if you're really looking at the playoffs as a conversation, then we have to be getting six points out of these two games. And I know our home form hasn't been great, but at the same time, these are games you simply have to be winning if you're really wanting to be in the top six picture. Birmingham, to be fair, I mean, if you look at Birmingham, I think they're something like um, nine points or eight points. I think it's nine points above the bottom three. So although they're not safe, they're, they're, it would take something mental for them to get relegated. So there's a chance there that they might still take their half their foot off the gas, even though, oh, there's a positive. We can't get relegated. That's one thing. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's a tough ask. But at the same time, if you look at our last three games, and you've got West Brom away, who are starting to slip away a bit. Watford, I'm not convinced by them. Preston, I think, are slightly overperforming as of late. But And another thing you've got to look at, if you look at goal difference, especially out of everybody that's in the top six. So basically from Millwall, who are in fifth, down to us, with the exception of Norwich, we've got a better goal difference than everybody. Granted, there's one or two goals in it. But like you said, when everyone's playing each other, it's mathematically impossible for everyone to get maximum points. And that's one of the reasons. I remember a while back we were debating, I think it might have been Daniel I was debating with when we said, I thought that between 70 and 73 points might be enough to squeeze into sixth, and he disagreed with me. And I think that one of the things, and that's fine, it's his opinion, but for me, if you look at who everyone's got left and how many games around around each other everyone has, I would not be shocked if, say, just lower 70 points could be enough to get into sixth. Will we do it? Can we do it? Yes. Will we? I suspect probably not. Um, if we win the next two games against Birmingham and Huddersfield, I might start to think about it. Um, obviously, I'm thinking about it now with it being four points. You can't not look at it. But we'll wait and see. Like John said, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Well, the next game is either Birmingham or Huddersfield on Saturday. It's Birmingham first, then Huddersfield. Birmingham first. So, and, of course, we won the away game at Birmingham. Um I think that was the last game before the World Cup, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, Friday night. It was. Yeah. Um, and obviously Birmingham sitting in 17th, you know, 50 points. Their season is very much over in terms of having anything to play for. A game that, you know, home or away, Sunderland should be looking to win, John. But if you had to go with a prediction for that, what would it be? Uh, I'd probably go 2-0 two, two Sunderland. I would never back us to to lose and we've got to turn the home form around a little bit. And I think if you you know, if you want to have any chance of the playoffs, um, slim margins it might be, then you know, you've you've got to be winning your home games against teams down the lower end of the table. So there's the challenge. Go out and go out and prove yourself. And I think if you do start picking up some momentum, I think those teams in the playoffs will start to think, hmm, look at Sunderland uh, creeping up. Yeah. Hopefully so. Michael, prediction for that one? When I predicted all the games for the rest of the season, this was a game I had us down to lose just because you're going to lose a game stupidly somewhere. Nah, screw it. I think I'll go 2-1 to Sunderland because I think if we... One of the players we do have to watch out for is Lukas Jukovic because he's a tall player and maybe you could argue limited as a footballer, but he's definitely got something about him for this level. So I think we'll have to be wary of him. But like John said, if we are really... For me, these next two games, obviously start with Birmingham, our last chance saloon for any hope of top six. Um, Huddersfield will be tricky because of the fact they've had, they're on a pretty good um, streak at the moment against some good teams. But yeah, John's right. And I suspect you'll think the same. Birmingham has to be a win if we want to look at the top six. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with that game. And of course, what happens in the other games on Saturday as well. And whether, you know, I think Sunderland's playoffs hopes will kind of hang on every single game. If you lose on Saturday, results go against you, it could be over. If you win on Saturday and results go for you, it'll be even more exciting. 
for the last few games. But that is Saturday, three o'clock kickoff, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll have another podcast out to talk about that game on the Sunday or the Monday. And of course, looking ahead to the game after that, which will be another game that Sunderland should be looking to win against Huddersfield. But until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.